Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Max, and I will be doing the scripture reading today. Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 5, 1-11, ESV. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of the Lord, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled their boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching man. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, Cornerstone brothers and sisters. We continue our series through this book of Luke in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke. And we have seen uh, the beginning of the life of Jesus. And last week we saw uh, the temptation or the last message on Luke, the temptation of Christ. And now we are at the beginning of his ministry where he is calling people uh, to follow him. And so we're in chapter 5 in this amazing story of this miraculous catch of fish. And Jesus calls people, these individuals of our text, uh, to follow him. And they, they responded, especially we see here Simon Peter, James, and John, who are mentioned specifically. And verse 11, and the last verse of our text states, they left everything and followed him. What motivates you to follow someone or something? Um, is it an interest or a passion, uh, a respect for someone? Maybe it's the threat of punishment if you don't follow. Uh, or maybe it's the greater good of society. That's the reason why you follow a law, per se. Um, you know, usually if we follow the law, then it's out of a respect um, for the law itself, and we see it as a greater good for society, so we agree to obey, like the traffic laws, many of them. Or um, we respect, we don't really respect it, but we respect the punishment that comes with uh, if we disobey the law. So we may just follow the law because of that. So, for example, have you started on your taxes for 2020? I mean, this is something we all do because it is the law. Or do you try to find ways to get out of paying taxes, um, to get around the law? Uh, if you do that, then you're not respecting the law at all. Uh, you know, driving in New Jersey is crazy, and uh, there is these laws with respect to talking on the phone while driving. Uh, we cannot do that with handheld phones, but I see people doing that all the time. 
uh, texting while they're driving, there's a law against that. Do we follow those or do we disregard those? Um, there, did you know there's a law that you cannot attach uh, your phone to your front windshield in New Jersey? It's against the law. You can attach it to your dashboard, but you cannot uh, attach it to your front windshield. Will we follow that law or not? Now, following or obeying the law, like I said, is either out of respect, we're for the greater good or uh, the authorities, or we may disregard it because we think it's a uh, stupid law, so we're just not going to follow it. And, uh, and then we are disobedient. Well, the Gospel of Luke in this text, uh, I bring this all up because Jesus is calling people to follow him, individuals. And uh, this idea, this concept to them of should I or should I not follow Jesus applies to us today. And so we're going to look at some characteristics of those who follow or choose to follow or in this process of deciding to follow Jesus. And what are those characteristics that we see of followers of Christ? Now, the Gospel of Luke is the only account of this miraculous catch of fish along with the calling of Peter and James and John. Now, Andrew was most certainly also there because he was the brother of Peter, but he's not mentioned here in Luke. Now, Andrew is mentioned in the Gospels of Mark and also Matthew in this uh, at least similar account, it seems. Um, and there's debate whether or not Luke's account is the same instance that is reported in Matthew and Mark accounts. Um, but I think after looking at these that Matthew and Mark seem to be very similar in their wording and it feels to me like it's a, a summary of this calling um, of the big you know, overall uh, calling of Christ on these men uh, where Luke goes into much more detail of especially this miraculous catch of fish that was part of this uh, experience of them deciding to follow Jesus as Lord. Luke's account describes practically what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. And at this point, Jesus is beginning his ministry, like I said, and calling individuals to follow him. Now, it was odd for Jesus to be going around and calling out specific individuals to follow him. If this was radical in that time period for a rabbi to do that. It's just as odd as if it would be for a popular professor, say a well-known, respected professor in some university, walking around and pointing out to people and saying, hey, be my student. Uh, well, hey, why don't you be my student? You know, come into my class. That would be odd uh, for us to hear about that. Um, normally we hear of a good teacher and then everybody scrambles, right, to try to get into their class to, to benefit from their teaching, and, and it's a competition-like because the classes get full all the time. I remember the, the best teachers when I was an engineer. Uh, it was hard to get into their classes because everybody wanted to be in their classes. Um, and it was the same, similar way in Jesus' day. Now, to understand the significance of this even further, we need to understand a little bit more about this culture centered around Jewish rabbis at the time of Christ. Now, they did not go out and recruit followers like Jesus did. Not at all. Uh, nope. It, was, it worked more like how we apply to colleges today, you know, where we choose a, the best college we want to go to, um, probably the hardest to get into, 
and then we work hard and we get our resumes ready, we do extracurricular activities, whatever we try to do, right? You know, get our SAT scores high, uh, and then we apply and hopefully they accept us. It's very similar to the rabbis of Jesus' time. Is a rabbi would grow in, in reputation as a good teacher, a good rabbi, and then if uh, we were good students, outstanding students of the Jewish scriptures, we might uh, be able to apply to have an interview with a rabbi. And after they interview us, if they feel like we are worthy uh, at the top, you know, the best of the best, uh, then they would allow us to follow them, uh, be, be part of their, their cohort in a sense, uh, to be a disciple of them. And, uh, and, and learn and follow and be a part of this rabbi's life in that sense. It was a great honor and a position of respect to be a follower, a disciple of a respected rabbi. Now, Jesus totally turns that practice on its head and he begins to call men out. He goes out and he's like recruiting people to be his followers. Uh, this was radical. This was unheard of. Um, and then look at the type of men he's calling. Uh, not the best of the best students of Jewish scriptures. No, not the straight A students, not the ones with the top SAT scores. No, but fishermen, blue-collar workers. And that meant that these were the men who were not good enough to even be considered by, uh, to, to go and even apply to rabbis um, to be their followers because they just weren't the, the top students in the Jewish schools. Uh, learning the scriptures. And so instead, then, these men would be focused and turn their minds and hearts to learning their father's trade and continuing on in that way. And so that's what these fishermen were doing. They were just following in their father's footsteps. And yet Jesus is calling these men to follow him. So you can imagine the surprise and the great honor it was for these fishermen to be called to be a disciple of a rabbi like Jesus. They were singled out and they were invited to come and follow him. And, and they did. They left everything and followed him, this rabbi named Jesus. So this wasn't the first time, though, that Jesus had bumped into Simon Peter, as he is called. We know him more as just Peter later on in the New Testament, um, and James and John, most likely. Uh, earlier, we see in Luke chapter 4, verse 38, uh, this text there mentions that Jesus visited Simon Peter's home, or his, the, where his mother-in-law lived, and uh, healed her. And so we know that he's bumped into Simon before. And also the Apostle John recorded in his Gospel, chapter 1, that uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, saw Jesus and followed Jesus and got to know Jesus a tiny bit and then went and found Peter and introduced Peter to Jesus uh, before this uh, text in Luke chapter 5. And most likely James and John also were acquainted with Jesus uh, before this text in Luke chapter 5. So Jesus, in the same sense, now calls people still today to follow him as his disciples. And that is why he calls us to go and make more disciples of himself now in this present age. For he has proven his love by his death on the cross for the forgiveness of the sins of mankind. So he is Savior and Lord. He is God incarnate. And he is demonstrating that God loves 
you and me. God loves people and is willing to go to this extent to show this love and make it right so we can have reconciliation with the almighty living God. What good news it is for those who hear it and accept it and have then the abundant eternal life that we experience here and now and we look forward to the age to come. So he, Jesus, is calling you and me to follow him. But the question we're going to deal with today uh, from this text is, will we follow Jesus? Will we follow Jesus? In the first few verses of our text, we see the one characteristic of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now listen again uh, to the first few verses. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, to hear the the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, Lake Gennesaret is just another name for the Sea of Galilee. Put it in context there. Uh, a characteristic of following Jesus we, we observe here is that there is this desire to hear the word of God, a desire for the word of God. And people were pressing in on Jesus, literally crowding Jesus to be close to him so they could hear his teachings. They could hear the word of God that he was uh, teaching them about and expressing and showing them through parables and they, because they wanted to learn from him. They desired this and people were eagerly following Jesus around so they could listen to his words of life and hope and the words of the love of God. And when we follow Jesus, our hearts will desire God's word. Our hearts will desire to learn the teachings of Jesus and understand them so that we understand who Jesus is more. The Bible puts it this way, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light unto my path. Or again, in another place, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you hear the passion of these words? God's word gives us direction and um, guides us to how to obey his direction. And we know we are following Jesus when we have the desire to learn from the word of God, that we desire to ingest his word. And if we do not have this desire, then we are actually following someone or something else. And most of the often that person or whatever it is that we're following is ourselves, our own voice. And this is why it's essential for followers of Jesus to daily immerse themselves in God's word. and But we uh, will not do so if we do not have a desire for God's word. And if we do not have a desire for God's word, we need to face the truth that we are not actually following Jesus because we don't desire Jesus. Jesus himself said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Well, how can we obey the teaching of Jesus, if we don't even desire to know what that teaching is. We won't even, we'll be ignorant, and so we won't obey. To help us in this habit of daily absorbing God's word, 
uh, we have designed for 2021 this Bible reading together plan. And, and we've chosen a plan from version, and it's on our website. We'll hear an announcement later on in the service today about this. But we encourage everyone who um, struggles to do this, or even if you're already doing a plan regularly, but to do this together so we can encourage each other as we go through this plan together for 98 days. It's not for the whole year. It's for a little over three months. And we will do this together. We can talk about what we're reading together. We can ask uh, questions to each other uh, in our groups that we're reading together with. I really encourage you to sign up for this and experience reading God's Word daily. And if you miss a day, it's, it's by grace. So just skip that day and, and continue on or, or catch up or whatever. It's, it's just to help us. It's not something, some task that we need to add to our checklist to do every day. It's because we want to encourage the desire we have for God's Word to grow in our hearts and minds so that we can experience Christ together. Yes, uh, we pray that this will fan the flame of our desire for God's Word in our hearts. So the first practical characteristic of following the Lord Jesus we see here is a desire for God's Word. The second characteristic described in our text of followers of Christ is obedience to his commands. Verses 4 through 7. Listen again. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, uh, they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Simon obeyed Jesus' command. And he experienced the miraculous catch of fish. And he experienced God's power and majesty in this huge catch. And to follow Jesus practically means to do what he says. I mean, it's how we follow somebody. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You know, many times we follow Jesus, like we're playing the game, follow the leader. We're only trying to mimic him, you know, like we do the leader in that game, without really uh, any interest in understanding who that person is. We're just trying to play the game. We're trying to win the game, you know, in a sense. And if we mess up, then we feel like we're going to get kicked out of the game. And if we're following Jesus that way, it just becomes a task, a check on our to-do list. That I, oh, I got to do this. I can't do that. I can't do that. But I got to do this in order to follow Jesus. And so when we do this, we're only mimicking Jesus only without trying to seek to understand him as the Lord God who wants to have a relationship with us. This would be like what happened to me on my wedding day in Taiwan. This was... Uh, over 26 years ago, but it was, it's an interesting story because um, we had decided, uh, I went to Taiwan, uh, nobody from my family was in Taiwan, so I was there by myself because we were going to have another wedding ceremony in Denver, Colorado, so everybody in the States stayed behind. Uh, I was there, and so the whole thing in Taiwan was going to be in Chinese, and we had already worked out how we were going to do this, but five minutes before the ceremony, I'm sitting in the front of the chapel in the school where May was teaching at at that time. And I'm waiting for the ceremony to start. And the pastor, who's going to officiate the wedding, comes over and he talks to my best man in Taiwanese. 
and May had chosen this best man for me uh, because he knew a little English. And so after the pastor talked to him, he turns to me and in broken English uh, tells me that the pastor wants me to repeat the marriage vows after him in Taiwanese. This is like five minutes before we start. And that was not the plan. I, he was going to just say them and I would say yes. Um, but he changed his mind. And so I was super nervous um, as the ceremony began. And when we got to the vows and he started to, you know, uh, say them in bits and pieces for me to repeat, I concentrated so hard and started to repeat the sounds coming out of his mouth that I heard. And I started to do so. I was concentrating. And, and when I started to repeat the vows, May started laughing next to me. It was very distracting. And she was laughing because it wasn't because I was doing such a bad job. It was because I was doing such a good job um, of speaking Taiwanese. But she was laughing because she knew I had no idea what I was saying. I'm just repeating these phonics that I'm hearing. And I learned that day that I have this uncanny ability to mimic language um, without really understanding what it says. I can mimic uh, <laughs> Uh, what I hear back. And so, uh, but I have no real depth of understanding. And, and when we follow Jesus, like following the leader game, this is exactly it. We just kind of try to mimic him. Like it, like uh, we're doing a good job that way. And if we mess up, we're going to get kicked out of the game. Or um, it might be like following Jesus, thinking like we're a soldier following commands. Um, in that sense. Let me explain this a little more. Um, we look like a Christian, like a soldier for Jesus, um, but we lack that close relationship and depth of communion with Christ Jesus because, you know, a commander with his soldiers doesn't have that kind of relationship. He keeps a distance from uh, his soldiers that are underneath him. And we think then by obeying our commands of our, soul, uh, of our commanding officer, that we will gain favor in his sight. And, um, and that's how we approach Jesus as well. And that's not how Jesus calls us to follow him. Um, Jesus is calling us, saying, follow me. And, you know, I will make you uh, fishers of men or of people. And he doesn't want us to passively follow him, but to actively pursue him and in relationship with him. And he wants us to obey his commands, but to do this as we would with a, a, for a loving father, because we will do our best. Uh, we will do everything we can to make our father proud because we love our father. Because, and we know that our father intensely loves us. And this is the kind of following Jesus wants us from us with him. You know, if we... Uh, are just trying to uh, obey, thinking we gain favor with Jesus, then that's exactly how the Pharisees were trying to uh, gain favor with God by obeying all the commands of the law. Now, this is not how Jesus calls us to follow him. He wants us, first and foremost, to love him as we would our father, our earthly father or mother. And he wants us to love him because he has demonstrated that love to us clearly through his death on the cross. And so now he calls us to follow him with that kind of love for him. 
and to follow him in his example, but out of love, not out of a, you know, gaining favor with him. And when we accept Christ and we follow Jesus, then we are accepting his gift of forgiveness and the eternal life, which starts right now and with the abundance that comes, and then look forward to the eternal life we have with him in the age to come. Followers of Jesus have a desire for God's word, and we obey his commands. The last characteristic we see in our text is the humility to admit sin and the need of forgiveness. We see this in Peter's response to the miraculous catch of fish. Uh, Listen again to verses 8 through 11. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Simon Peter's sense of his own sinfulness was not due to a specific disobedience at that moment. It was more out of a general awareness of his unworthiness to be in the presence of God's majesty and power that he saw in Christ Jesus because of this miraculous catch of fish. If we truly desire to follow Jesus, we desire to learn about him. We desire to know his teachings and know him personally. And the more we know Christ, the more we will become aware of just how far we fall short of the glory of God. We will become aware of our own unworthiness and sinfulness that still exists in our hearts and minds. And we will fall into his grace and rejoice that he has forgiven us once and for all through what he has achieved on the cross. But we will continually be aware of our need for forgiveness and admit our sin. How aware are you of your own sinfulness? Followers of Jesus humbly admit their sin and need for forgiveness regularly. Is confession of sin a common habit of yours in your time with the Lord? Are you regularly aware and confronted with your own sinfulness, your own pride, your own desire to do things your way rather than the Lord's? The more we see and and, and experience this, the more the Spirit is evidently in our hearts and minds because He will raise these uh, issues up in our minds and hearts and we will be aware of it and then bring it before the Lord and praise God for his forgiveness and grace in our lives in Christ Jesus. Followers of Jesus have a desire for God's word, obey his commands and humbly admit their sin and need for forgiveness. And humility is the acknowledgement of the truth about ourselves in light of who God is. That's what humility is. It's not putting ourselves down. It's just realizing who we are and who God is. And he is the ultimate authority, and we are his creation. So we see this in the Gospel of Matthew, which recorded Jesus saying in the very end, in chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the one with authority. He is the one that has the 
most powerful voice over all the voices in the world. And so why do we often listen to other voices and often our own voice, the, the biggest and the loudest in our minds and hearts, rather than the Lord God? Because he has, he has overcome death. He is Lord over evil and, and will demolish all evil and set things right in the new age to come. This is the promises of Scripture. This is the good news. You know, the greatest sin that we have is our desire to be independent. And this started in the Garden of Eden. We wanted to be like God. And so we sinned and rebelled against God. But Jesus is the one with authority. And the question today, just as it was back then with the disciples and the people of Jesus' time, is will you follow Jesus as Lord and Savior? Or will we follow our own voice or some other voice and end up in destruction? Let me illustrate this with a story. There was a battleship that was assigned to this training squadron that had been at sea on um, maneuvers, and but there was this very heavy uh, weather and patchy fog. And so the battleship actually took the lead as night fell. And the visibility was poor with this fog, and so the captain of the battleship stayed up on the bridge uh, to oversee all the activities uh, that was going on because it was pretty tense with all the hard, uh, the difficulty of seeing where they were going. But shortly after dark, the lookout uh, on the wing of the ship reported uh, light bearing on the starboard bow. And the captain asked, is it steady or is it moving astern? And the lookout replied, steady, captain. So, which meant then they were on a dangerous collision course. They were going right directly at each other. Uh, with that ship. And so the captain then called out to the signal man, uh, signal that ship, we are on a collision course. Advise you to change 20 degrees. And back came the signal, uh, advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. Well, the captain said, send. I'm, I'm captain. Change your course 20 degrees. And then it responded, I'm a seaman second class. Change your course 20 degrees. And by that time, the captain was furious. So he says, send out this. I'm a battleship. Change your course 20 degrees. And then it immediately responded back, I'm a lighthouse. And so the captain changed his course. The, this just illustrates that we are like the battleship. We are each a battleship set on a course that leads to destruction. And Jesus is the lighthouse calling us to follow his directions and live for eternity, not and lead us away from destruction. You know, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on your behalf for the forgiveness of all the wrong things you've done, all the wrong things I've done, and all of humanity has done. He took it on himself to pay the penalty once and for all. That is love. God loves you. And he is calling you in Christ Jesus to follow him. Will you follow him? Or will you not and choose the path to destruction? God hopes you will follow him. He wants you to follow him. And that's why he's calling you to follow him today. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that all of us who have heard this message today will follow you. Not only once and make that decision to follow you with the intent of heart, but that we will follow you and make that decision every day as we wake up. 
every moment as we come across decisions to make, situations to deal with, relationships that take a turn for the bad or, or, or for the good. Lord, that we would follow you every step of the day because you are Lord, you are God, and we worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, we'll see you next week. God bless.